Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very senior and accomplished professional and entrepreneur from Vancouver, Canada, and a fellow YPO member, Mr. Brooke Wade. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Brooke is the president of Wade Capital Corporation. He was earlier chairman and CEO of Astex Corporation. He's led several large corporations. And as I mentioned to you, he's a fellow member of the YPO. So Brooke, uh, you've had an amazing journey as a professional, as an entrepreneur. Tell me about what did you do right to reach the very Mm. top? Well, Ashtash, I started off by learning what to do wrong, I think, from huh? my mistakes. Okay. My, my first real business venture of my own or with, with some friends mm-hmm. was an aviation business in Canada flying drilling crews into the mm-hmm. far north. Mm-hmm. And when the oil industry had a severe downturn, our market dropped by about 90% over six months. Mm-hmm. And we had no choice but to, to fold up the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the lessons I learned there was that when something happens, you always think you know immediately if it's good or bad, but you Mm. really have no idea until later. Mm. That seemed like a very, very bad time. It was extremely painful to to wind up that business and sell off the assets, but it really, it gave me some lessons and it gave me the tools to go on to much, much bigger and and better Mm -hmm. things. Okay. I think the main, the main thing I learned from that was that it's very easy to, to sort of mislead yourself in business and, mm-hmm. and lead yourself with what you hope will happen. Mm. And you really have to face reality as it is. Really, it, is what it, it is what it is. And you have to face it exactly like that. Mm. And then you have to communicate with all the people around you mm. in a straightforward, transparent way. So I learned that lesson in a tiny little aviation company that failed. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up applying those lessons in a, in a very by Canadian standards, large oil company that was mm-hmm. in severe financial difficulty. Right. And, and I ended up becoming um, the vice president of finance of that company, mm-hmm. falling back on my chartered accountant's education. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I presented a business plan on, on how to hopefully turn that company around. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, the president said to me, well, he said, I guess your business plan is what we should have done a long time ago, mm. but I don't, I don't have the stomach for it. So I'm going to retire. I'm going to let you be president and you wow. um, can implement your own business plan. Mm-hmm. Now at that time, that company was uh, 1500 employees mm-hmm. owed a, one bank of almost a billion dollars. Mm. And when I became the president of that company, I was 33 years old. Amazing. Yeah. It was an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was one of those things where it was kind of like everybody sh- thought the ship was unavoidably sinking. Mm-hmm. So we'll get, this, we'll get this guy to hold the wheel while we all get in the lifeboats, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you, when you uh, were confronted with this uh, opportunity of a ship that was a billion dollars, president at 33, and everyone felt that there were problems, what are the two or three things that you did to start setting things right? Well, I think the main thing that I changed was exactly what I had learned in that failure, mm-hmm. to face reality as exactly as it is. 
Okay. And also you have to look at things always with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. You can't get stuck in, in history or in uh, sort of certain assets being more mm -hmm. cherished than others. In that company, the original assets of the company were, were very, very large, very excellent quality, natural gas assets. Mm -hmm. In the old management thoughts that could never be sold or dealt with mm -hmm. because those were special. Those were the core. Everything else was added on right. myself and a bunch of other guys who were the same age as me, really, who we had put together as a very transparent team. Mm -hmm. We just came at it with a, a view of uh, uh, one of one of the other things I believe is that every business is nothing but a mathematical formula mm -hmm. and people. Okay. So if you understand the mathematical formula that applies mm -hmm. to a certain business, mm -hmm. and then you look at it that way, mm -hmm. then, then it becomes clear. So in looking at that, the mathematics of that business, it was very clear that the best way for us to get our financial position in mm -hmm. shape was to sell these core assets and turn the company around. And we did that. We managed to cut the debt from, uh, from about $950 million to about... 400 million in a couple of years by mm. asset sales. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that is often asked from me, and I'm going to ask the same question from you is that you have had two different types of experiences. One is scaling up a business and the other is uh, to build new businesses. You know, mm -hmm. you've done both. What in your view are key differences in the two, with when you come to people, competencies, experiences, and what you need to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. Well, although in my experience it may seem that they were uh, scaling up, they're really both of them. Um, when when this in the success period, so in the period of financial difficulty and turning things around, mm. there you have to be action oriented, and you have to you have to make the mathematics work. You have to figure out. What's going to fix the, the problem? What's going to give you a positive cash flow that allows you to survive? Mm. Once you get past that, in, in the first case, the company was called Methanex, and it, it grew hugely, but it really grew through acquisition. Okay. And, and then the second company, Acetex, was completely an acquisition. It was a leverage buyout of, of a French uh, government uh, petrochemical company. Mm -hmm. um, in both those cases, the acquisitions were based really on a view on timing. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in every business is different. It comes back to the mathematical formula. In petrochemicals, you have these cycles, and the cycles are very important to understand, and it's very important to get the timing right. You have a situation where, uh, for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, cash flow is very poor, mm -hmm. uh, excess supply, businesses are on the bottom, and then at a time when, when supply becomes short, the price really kind of of the product kind of goes to the moon and you have all that opportunity. Right. So we used to have, that's a timing issue that doesn't exist in many businesses, but in petrochemical, being a petrochemical entrepreneur, it's key. Hmm. So we went one of our main slogans was timing isn't everything. Mm -hmm. Timing, timing is the only thing. Okay. So, so it was all about, it was mm. all about timing. Hmm. And part of that, Part of the interesting thing we learned about that is that there's, there's big differences between price and value. Mm. Whether you're talking about stock market or you're talking about a company's assets, um, obviously a company has a certain long-term value 
which if you had perfect knowledge would be the sum of its kind of future expectations, right? But you don't know what that is going to be. Mm. So what happens is that when you're doing a transaction, the price is very overweighted mm-hmm. to the recent past. Mm. So whether you're trying to finance something or whether you're trying to buy it, the price is really determined by how much cash it's produced in the last two years or three years. Mm. So if you think if you think that's been the bottom of the cycle mm. and that's not indicative of the future, mm. you can buy that business at that time. And if you've got it financed correctly, you'll be strong and you can you can hang in there until the price comes up and then that's when you really Very make the money. Very so that's that's particular kind of to the petrochemical business, mm. but it's similar in oil and gas. In mm. most commodity type businesses, it's similar. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me now move on and ask you a little bit about Wade Capital Corporation. Um, what is the kind of work you're doing in Wade Capital? Well, Wade Capital Corporation is re- is really my own investment corporation. Yeah. It, it was it was the company that I set up to own my interest in in first uh, Methmex and then in okay. Asetex. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I sold Asetex, which is now uh, almost 15 years ago, I sold it to, uh, to Blackstone into a mm-hmm. company that they owned at that time called Selony. Since then, I've been doing investing. And uh, recently, I've gotten quite active in a whole new experience, which is a startup in an electrical storage device. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as the world moves to electricity and stored electricity as its main source yep. of of energy as opposed to carbon-based generators, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You really need a lot of storage capacity and storage flexibility mm-hmm. to smooth out what would otherwise be very you know, up and down flow mm-hmm. of electricity from wind and from solar. <coughs> That's what I'm doing, excuse me. That's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. The main thing that I, I think the experience I had as I transitioned to Wade Capital from Asetex, which is the operating company, mm-hmm. is that the skills that you need as an investor mm-hmm. are unfortunately exactly the opposite of the skills that you need <laughs> yes. as an entrepreneur. Correct. Not so much skills, I think, attributes, because as an as a uh, entrepreneur, you have to believe that just about anything is possible. You have to be optimistic and believe it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. You have to trust people and you have to get them to trust you. Mm. To be a good investor, you have to be skeptical, you have to be diligent, you have to be uh, very careful, and it's, it's, uh, it was a difficult transition. My, my friends joked that the only reason I didn't go broke as an investor is because I was too slow. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Yes. So let me then ask you a few questions about as you as an investor and a few things on, on startups. What do you look for before you decide to make an investment? Well, you need, first of all, to have people. Mm-hmm. The peop- and the people have to have uh, drive, they have to have hunger, mm-hmm. and they have to have integrity. Mm-hmm. And if you have people that are willing to work hard and they have integrity, then they can all, almost solve any problem. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't have that, then, then you're kind of doomed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then the second part is the, the, what I call the mathematical formula. You need an achievable task. You mm-hmm. need something that you can understand that is going to be possible to execute Mm -hmm. and that has uh, numbers that will make a lot of value creation Mm. as you execute your plan. Mm. So if you have somebody has an idea, an achievable idea, and you have a group of people that can do it, then you have the opportunity. Mm. Sometimes it's very hard to know whether the opportunity will work or not. Mm. But I think even more than that is the timing. 
and again, in this case, not timing in terms of, of the right time, but just how long it takes because mm -hmm. so many good companies that would ultimately perhaps have been a great success, mm -hmm. things take much longer than they expect. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they run out of money, you know, they're not mm -hmm. able to fund that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, banker said to me in the middle of that financial difficulty with that, that oil company, mm -hmm. this, this old, old investment, this old banker, keeping in mind that I was like 33 years old at the time, mm -hmm. he sort of shook his finger at me like this. And he said, he says, Brooke, always remember this. Bankers never run out of money. Mm. They only run out of confidence. Wow. So the important thing that you have to give your bankers and your investors yeah. is confidence, right? Okay. Yeah, confidence is what makes the world go around. Amazing, amazing. So, you know, I love uh, your two words of mathematical formula and people. For a lot of the startup entrepreneurs who will be listening to our conversation, what would you say are the determinants for the right mathematical formula and the right people? Hmm. Well, I've touched on people already. So you need to have people that are willing to work hard, that have integrity and you can trust. Mm -hmm. And a lot of startups for that reason are based on friends and, and people who have worked together for a long right. time. I think obviously in addition to that, depending on the particular type of startup, you need right. to have the technical skills. And these days, a lot of startups have huge requirements for very specific technical skills. Right. Others, others don't. I think the other thing that you need is you need to be able to get to, uh, and this sounds a little old fashioned, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you need to be able to create cash flow. Correct. And so you have to, you have to see a fairly short path to creating some cash flow. Mm -hmm. If you can create some positive cash flow, then you don't need to be raising money from investors all the time. And then you can be in control of your own destiny. Correct. And then, and then obviously for a business to be successful, it needs to be able to grow and grow into a very large numbers. If you, for example, see a coffee shop, a coffee shop can make money probably very well. Mm -hmm. But if you imagine instead a Starbucks with, you know, thousands and thousands of that same shop, then you've got the, the sort of growth part of the formula. Correct. 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 And yet uh, the, the other million dollar question, which a lot of startup founders have is, should I raise money when it's available or should I bootstrap as long as possible? What are your thoughts? Well, it's a bit of a dilemma. Yeah. For a startup, it's truly a dilemma. And the reason the dilemma is because of the ownership. It's so mm -hmm. easy for a person who's trying to start up a business to be diluted too much by trying mm -hmm. to raise money too right. early. Mm -hmm. So I think the answer in the first case is that you have to get as far as you can in terms of determining your business plan, the idea of the business, your business people, team, et cetera, mm -hmm. without spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But once you get going, you then have to kind of switch to the opposite. Like my, my slogan for operating those public companies that were had lots of cyclical ups and downs in the chemical mm -hmm. business is when do you raise money? Mm -hmm. When you can when you can. And okay. also, as you can see, is what's happening in the, in the world today. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, and I think a lot of young people haven't seen tough times yet. Mm -hmm. in, in, in easy times, when things are going very well, it's really easy to raise money. Mm -hmm. And the, the window is open, is what mm -hmm. I would call that. The window's open, you can raise money. But when the world goes into recession, 
mm-hmm. and the financial markets go into what's called risk off, mm-hmm. then it becomes almost impossible to raise money for a startup. Mm-hmm. So if you take that kind of a view, and if you can protect your equity to make sure you don't get too diluted, mm-hmm. then the answer becomes kind of raise money as you can, when you can, because you can never, nobody ever went broke by raising too much money. Correct. Well said. Yeah. Well said. So my next question to you is uh, that, you know, there is a big debate going on on whether the valuation of a company is determined by the stock market or by the, uh-huh. the venture capitalists, because uh, there are companies which have got huge valuations, but are making huge losses. And uh, the founder of a unicorn recently told me that you need special skills to lose so much money and yet have such high valuations. I'd love to get your thoughts on what is more important. Well, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things buried in there. First of all, as a very fundamental idea, Mm -hmm. uh, the the stock of a company mm-hmm. is a different thing completely than the company itself. Correct. So the stock has its own supply and demand balance. Mm-hmm. If a stock is highly sought after or a type of business area is highly sought after, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a shortage of stock. And as a result of that, the price is going to go up and it could get completely out of whack mm-hmm. with the underlying value of the business. <clears throat> if you're an investor, in kind of industrial traditional businesses, mm-hmm. it's very important to pay attention to that right. and take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of a, a tech business, mm-hmm. I think what's happening there is people are betting on the long-term future of that particular area of technology. Mm-hmm. And I think in the recent times, we've had almost a feeding frenzy mm-hmm. of too many, too much money and not enough opportunity. So it's, it's bid the prices up to a, a kind of a, a crazy level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think in terms of losing money or not, I think one has to be careful to watch out for one important difference. Mm-hmm. Ac- accounting is a very complicated thing. And I'm a, I'm a chartered accountant by education. Mm-hmm. But accountant is a very complicated and contrived thing designed to match all sorts of theoretical things over time and to amortize things over time. Mm. And it's almost of no value whatsoever to an entrepreneur. Mm. An entrepreneur needs to focus on cash flow, mm-hmm. on cash flow mm. and not on earnings. So in those companies that I had that were very successful, mm. I didn't pay any attention to the book earnings or the, or the profit and loss, mm-hmm. but I had laser focus on the cash flow. Mm. Very interesting. Um, so I have time for two more questions for you. And uh, my next question, I want to come back to people. And given what's happening post the pandemic, with the great resignation, the work from home, the increased number of gig workers, how does a startup founder build a team of people? Because the winter, I mean, you and I probably are the same vintage that I'm older. But you know, there's a lot of things that used to go on on conversations at the coffee, you know, management by walking around or sitting on the coffee shop and talking, that seems to have disappeared. How does one build teams in such a situation? Well, first of all, I confess, I do not understand the great resignation at all. I cannot figure out where all the people went, you Mm -hmm. know, because (laughs) there were lots of people around and then all of a sudden there's just not enough people to go around. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is uh, in, in, in jobs that are unpleasant, Mm -hmm. 
uh, and underpaid, I can understand that people somehow managed to survive through the COVID time mm. by going back to their hometown or whatever and figuring out that they could have, have a better lifestyle than whatever the job was they didn't like. Mm. But in most of the things that you and I are talking about today, where you're trying to build a team to, to grow a business, mm -hmm. you're not talking about unpleasant, underpaid jobs. You're talking okay. about really skilled jobs, right? Mm. I think the key... The absolute key in a, in a startup is to build a team of people that you trust. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to start with a fairly small team of people mm -hmm. that you've known that you you can you you can know you can rely on them, mm -hmm. like a, like almost like a military platoon if you like. Mm -hmm. And then in a way that still protects the founder, so he doesn't get too too diluted. Mm -hmm. You've got to give those people a piece of the business. When 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 I had Assetex, which was this leverage buyout. I made sure that every employee in the whole company was a shareholder. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that was because then they would behave like owners. Correct. And I used to say, I used to say to investors that you can drive through a, down a highway at, at hundred kilometers an hour. And you can tell at a glance, which homes are owned by the people or are living in the people uh, who own them mm -hmm. and which ones have people living in them that are renting. Correct. And you have to, you have to create a situation where people feel and act like owners. And if you do that, then you have alignment and then that then you're off on the right foot. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And my last question to you now, Brooke, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your incredible journey and more recently, your amazing support that you are giving to so many startups and of course, investing your own money, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and the amazing experience. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I think the, some of that is personal, some of it is business, but they come together because you only have one life, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I think the most important one is that you have to face reality as mm -hmm. it is. And yeah. I said that earlier today. Yeah. So it, it is what it is. The second thing is, and this is, something where they cross over the real value of money mm -hmm. is freedom. Yeah. And you don't need a huge amount of money to have freedom. Yeah. And you have to, you have to keep that perspective. Yeah. And then the last thing in terms of setting the priorities in one's life, mm -hmm. a lot of people who are successful in business, unfortunately, let it become too big a part of their life. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you can have anything you want, but you can't yeah. have every, you can't have everything you mm. want. Mm. And so when you make a list and you say, these are my five important things. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately mm. the only spot that matters is number one. Correct. Right. Because you've said, this is number one, everything is second. Mm. So I think that's a bit of a trap. And I think you really have to be careful in setting your priorities and don't mm. lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, when you get old like you and I are, I think, in fact, I think I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you, <laughs> your, your family and the success of your family and your children becomes Absolutely. the most important thing. And Absolutely. if you've got, you've got enough money to have freedom, which doesn't take that much. Mm. then after that, it doesn't really make any difference right. in your Correct. life. Correct. So well said. And I've often told many people, you know, that one more zero to my net worth will not change my life at all. Exactly. But that's fantastic exactly. Uh, words of wisdom from you. Yeah. Uh, and Brooke, on that note, uh, you know, and, and your three amazing pieces of advice, which is face your reality, the real value of money is freedom, 
and uh, don't really make business your entire focus. Uh, if I can summarize some of the things that you said, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your incredible journey with Assetex and all the things that you built from such a young age of 33. Thank you for speaking to me about startups, about uh, your wonderful advice of uh, businesses, mathematics, and people. And thank you also for speaking to me about some of the challenges uh, people have faced and uh, how important they are for running all our businesses. Thank you again and good luck to you. Well, thank you, Ashtosh. And, and if this uh, conversation we've had helps even one person, it'll be very worthwhile. Thank you very much. It'll help many, many people. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.